0: He ko nae pūrangi tenei, nā tereo irirangi o ao te aroa. Kua ngaro tereo o ngā manu, kua ngaro hoki a waata, waiata, kua hinga he tōtara o te wai nui a tane. E te hui a kai manua, e te mātanga fakatangi tangi tango pūro e tākuta Richard Nunns, mui Hereo waiata yahu mai te tāiao, hereo yahu mai iahine rau Songs from the natural world. It's one way to sum up the musical expressions of Dr Richard Nunn, known to many as Papa Richard, a Pakeha man who dedicated his life to the revitalisation of Tonga Wind instruments made of wood or bone. But much deeper than this, nuns understood the world around him—the names of trees, plants, and birds, in the realm of Tane Mahuta, god of the forest, or the call of Tangaroa through the sounds of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Tonight on Tiahika we feature coverage of Richard Nunn's and posthumously Hirini Melbourne's induction into the New Zealand Music Hall of Fame in 2009. Associate Professor, Senior Lecturer, and Filmmaker Dr. Paul Wolfram talks about making the 2014 documentary film Voices of the Land, Ngari o Te
1: Ko tēnā koutou,
0: tēnā koutou, mārama, koutou. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, e mārama, koutou. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, mārama, koutou. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, mai, koutou. mai. koutou, tēnā koutou, mārama, koutou. Tēnā koutou, Taongapūro practitioner Horomuna Horo has described himself as a piti pāua, that is, someone who literally was always nearby or had a close friendship with Richard Nunns, Hirini Melbourne and Brian Flintoff. Here, he remembers moments with Richard over the years.
2: When it came time to, to sharing the knowledge, it was all those other little things. You know, he would be... The first up in the morning, while everyone else in the marae is still waking up, the sun's just coming over the peaks of the horizon. Old Matsu Richard would have just come back from a walk, and he would have already gone and met the locals, had a green tea, and and had a chat and it or one of the kuya up the road, you know, or um, you know he will he would he does those little quirky little things that were reminders of you know. Um, Looking at every minute of, of a Wananga, or going to a new space and, and cherishing every moment of it. Um, there was those things that, those little things where we would go to, and do presentations around the world. Even one in particular um, thing that was really quite magical was um, south of Argentina. Um, no, Matua Richard, myself I was travelling there with Voices New Zealand uh, with Dr Karen Grills and, and the New Zealand Choir known as Voices and Matua Richard um, came along as well with uh, Waimihi Hotere and me, Matua Richard and Waimihi were doing a, a presentation on or Maori music and its connection to the landscape environment and te Ao.
0: Dr. Paul Wolfram is an award-winning documentary filmmaker. In 2014, he directed Voices of the Land, Nareo o Te Whenua. The documentary explores the connection of the landscape, music, and the relationship between Horomona Horo, Richard Nuns, and Brian Flintoff. Filmed in the South Island, Ngārua Caves, near Motuika was one of the 15 film locations. This interview first featured in 2014.
3: Well, I was an undergraduate student um, studying ethnomusicology under Alan Thomas, who eventually um, was uh, Richard's mentor and, and PhD supervisor as well. And, um, and I first came across Richard Nuns, and I, he's one of the people that inspired me to go to Papua New Guinea because his model of long-term engagement with the community, going and working with people, but not just coming away to write up or to make you know to Get make what you need, then that's, go. That's right, which is the model of many Western academics. His model seemed like a much better way of doing things and uh, inspired me to, to work in Papua New Guinea. And um, So, yeah, well, I came across Richard when I, as an undergraduate, and I thought... Well, if he can work like this, so can I. Um, and he was really inspirational because he'd not only be doing this for for a few years; he'd been doing this for 30 years, mm. returning to the Maori communities he worked with, um, demonstrating the knowledge that he'd learned, and a real respect for Maori communities and them and their knowledge. But um, but yeah, he says yes to everything, and he feels obligated. Um, as you'd understand, he's been all this knowledge and these stories that he's been learned over the years um, have been generously kind of shared with him, and he feels mm. that his it's his job to to share these back to the communities that he got them from and to other people, you know, um, and that's a that's a great way of working. And I think it's. It's one of the key things behind Maori communities is, is I've encountered them and understood them as, as um, this this idea of sharing and the idea of community and how important that is sharing mm. knowledge. So. Was well,
0: so it you, Paul? I remember when I spoke to you a year ago, you you mentioned that Dr. Richard Nunn's paid a visit, I think, to the school and he walked outside and did he see a leaf or a piece of grass or a blade of grass or, and he picked it up and and just. That's right. It.
3: I remember. Um, Richard told us to follow him with a camera one day and I followed him around just the gardens outside the music school which were all native plants and he just one after the other after the other we must have gone through 20 plants everyone who said this is so and so gave the Maori name gave the scientific name and then uh, would pick it up and play it you know, you know <laughs> this is a mountain daisy when you hollow this out you can use it as a mouth resonator and you'd tap on it and just the the depth of knowledge there is just extraordinary and in fact that was one of the uh, frustrating things <laughs> when um, <laughs> making the film with him is that he and Horomono would be walking down a path in the in the bush we'd be trying to get to a location at a certain time to record something and uh, inevitably Richard was stop and say, hey, boy, what's that called? And, and Horomono would have a go, and he'd say, oh, try harder. And, uh, <laughs> and he'd, he'd always been, you know, but he'd be learning, teaching Horomono about the plants, and of course Horomono knows a huge amount now as well. And then they'd stop and they'd tutu with stuff, and they'd, and they'd make sounds out of leaves. In, in fact, there's one section on the film that, that kind of captures that playfulness. They stop and they bang on trees and make them resonate, and then they... <laughs> um, you know, and then they go up to a rock and they start playing a like koi and and then they pull on leaves and it sounds like they're calling seagulls, but uh, <laughs> apparently it's a wicker call. It's, it's neat how playful they are, and that's one of the other things I really appreciate about, about Richard is that while he's very careful and respectful of the knowledge, um... It doesn't always need to be treated with so much reverence. you know you can joke, you can have fun with this., mm, and, yeah. and often that's uh, Pakia feel intimidated by the modern world because uh, they don't know where to begin, and, and, and sometimes that humour and that respectful playfulness um, can really help to open up.
0: locations
3: yeah or more I can't recall really <laughs> it, was, um, it
0: was pretty intense from Takaka now it was Takaka going towards Golden Bay it yeah that's yeah. right
3: and we worked out around there um, for a week and we went over to the top of the West Coast, a place called Karamia, which is just stunning. Um, top of the West Coast, wild seas coming in. And just the sounds in these places are incredible. And we walked right down to a place called Birdlands Flat, where, um, just south of Christchurch. And we went down to the Catlins and finished. These, uh, visited all sorts of uh, amazing locations in the Catlins. And then finally over to Fjordland, where we um, went up to... Um, I think it's called Doubtful Sound at one of the peaks there and, and filmed up there. So we saw a huge amount of the landscape of the, of the South Island and, um, and I got a new appreciation for just how beautiful New Zealand is.
0: Now the trailer opens with a scene shot in a, inside a cave. Is that the Narua Is that where you went to the Ngārua caves? Yeah, um, that's right. How was it difficult to shoot? Was it difficult to shoot in there?
3: Yeah, well, uh, I guess it speaks to Richard's um, own determination. But um, <laughs> I, I, he wanted to he wanted to work in this cave. He said the sounds in here are important and. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting place. So he really wanted to work in there. And I went in and I saw the 22 steps down mm. and I thought, oh, man. But he insisted on going on down there. And, you know, and when he wants to do something, even with his his Parkinson's, his condition, when he puts his mind to something, he's still well and truly capable. <laughs> so he, um, he got himself in there and, and of course, with Horomona's help. And, uh, and and so the film opens inside the cave and it's, it feels closed in. And it feels very dark, but um, kind of establishes uh, an important um, aspect of, for Tonga portal players, which is the from the darkness, you know, and light came the music. Yes, yes. And so... And so that's what I was trying to do there. We kind of established the characters in there. And, and, and the relationship between uh, Richard and, and Horomono is really important. You get a feel for the fact that you know Horomono is, uh, looks after him and, and guides him around. And the, the relationship is really mm. close. And then we burst out over the Takaka Hills and it's just gorgeous, all the colour floods in. The film as a whole is a real experience and that's what I wanted it to yeah. be. It's, you, <clears throat> you enter into the experience of what it's like to... You know another way of understanding the relationship between between people and landscape, and I think this will be most pertinent for Pakia who who just haven't encountered this way of thinking before many maori I believe will already be familiar with many of these ideas. but I think it's a Pakia audience that will um be most uh, intrigued by this new way of thinking.
0: Nā reo o te whenua, voices of the land are there any stand out landscapes that you also go to
3: Oh yeah. Yeah, Fiordland is just incredible. But as I've mentioned, the the Catlins are just amazing. And we went to a place called Jack's Blowhole there, which is um, an old smuggler's port. There was some chap, a Maori guy, who used to bring in whiskey. He was was an interesting character by the sounds of it, and he used this as a place to smuggle stuff, and it's become known as Jack's Blowhole. (laughs) uh, And and just the sights and sounds there. But it's more than just, uh, you know, know, it is a musical exploration of the landscape, but it also tells the story of the revival. The revival of the Tonga Portal. It also tells the special relationship that Richard had with um, Hirani Melbourne, um, who passed away mm-hmm. quite a while ago, but his legacy has been incredible for Tonga Portal players. And, um, and so it tells the story of the revival, tells the story of his relationship with um, Hirani and uh, Brian Flintoff, who's become you know, a master carver of Tonga Portal. But it also kind of seeks to make us you know, reflect on who we are in the landscape and how we, how we consider the landscape.
0: Was it sad wrapping up
3: the film? Oh, yes, in, in many ways. I think Richard would have liked to continue to do the North Island now. You know? I was
0: um, going to say, why such the concentration in the South Island? Is because Richard lives there?
3: No, partly because Richard lives there and he's really familiar with a lot of the landscape. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, most of the places that we visited were sites where iwi and hapu had told him you know these are these are important places to us and they yeah. and they have sounds and meaning for us so he's kind of gathered a, a stockpile of mm. all of these interesting places through his 30 40 years of working with maori communities and he wanted to explore this idea on film with us How do you communicate a relationship between landscape and, and instruments and people? It's, but I've been very pleased. I had my own questions through the production process. You know, How am I going to tell the story of the revival, uh, tell how this parkia fits into this Māori world? How am I going to you know, express this, this intimate relationship between Tonga Poro and landscape? It's going to be mm. difficult, but in fact I'm really pleased with the way it's come together. And I've got to credit Annie Collins, the editor, with um, just a superb skill, um, and so it's all come together it's just so beautifully, and the final finishing of it has just brought it to life on
4: screen.
0: Kui, Dr Paul Wolfram. Voices of the Land, Nario o Te Whenua, is available to watch right now on Vimeo. There is a small charge for the 48-hour stream. That interview was recorded in 2014. It was during the 1970s that the late Dr. Hirini Melbourne and Richard Nuns met at a concert held at Papitia Marae in Wellington. Then, in the 1980s, this seemingly unlikely duo crossed paths again at a wānanga about the revival of traditional instruments. Now, over the next 20 years, they would become good friends, collaborating and performing music, and sharing their knowledge with others. Dr. Melbourne's songs like... Pūrerehua, Puriānei, Anei, Rongo Mai, te Marama are just a few of his waiata that are still popular today. Meanwhile, Richard Nunn's played many of the Tonga puro, both with Herini and a wide range of New Zealand artists. Dr Herini Melbourne, or Tūhoi Minga Tikahungunu, died in 2003. In 2009, he was inducted posthumously into the New Zealand Music Hall of Fame, as too was Dr Richard Nunns. Now this next piece is from the 2009 APRA Silver Scroll Awards and coverage of the induction. On stage, Horomona Horo and Mwana Maniapoto share fond memories of Richard Nunn's and his influence on their musicianship.
1: Te papa waitaha e, me okorua whanau, ngā ringa rehe, o te ao puoro. When music
5: has the power to move us, when it connects us with the land, when it gives us a sense of place, a sense of self when it reminds us that we're part of a continuum from our ancestors to our descendants, when it creates a legacy that's multi-generational and enduring, then that is when great music has been made.
1: Whether it is traditional or contemporary music, it is the fusion and the collaboration between many artists and the poetry that they create, where music can go into the soul and go into the heart of people of many walks of life.
5: I was introduced to Richard Nunn's after the release of my first album. Uh, Angus McNaughton and I had sampled the bejesus out of one of uh, Richard and Hidani's uh, CDs. I'd cleared it all with Hidani, but he failed to mention he had a sidekick who'd played most of the flutes on this particular album. So I got a lovely letter from Richard Nunn's, ethnomusicologist, listens to everything. Oh, kia ora yes, love your album tahi and my own uh, contribution, I was noted. OK, right, so on the phone, ringing Nelson. After that, we started a long uh, collegial relationship where he played on all subsequent three albums and racked up a number of ear points as he actually joined us on many trips overseas. Uh, and it would have looked quite funny. Um, Richard, being, you know, taller than anyone else in the band, definitely fairer than anyone else in the band, with red hair, and slightly older than anyone else in the band. We used to put a a black shirt on him and a tonga, and sort of hope he'd blend in a bit, but yeah, nah, nah. Uh, But you know, back in the 1990s, the whole resurgence, these guys had just started teaching people like Horamuna, and I had tried a lot of Tonga taongapūro players who sort of looked the part. But, you know, as a musician, the, the least you want from your other musicians on stage is that they play in tune and pitch on cue. So Richard got the nod, and uh, he always enjoyed every trip that he came away with us. When I first
1: met uh, E and Richard, um, they reminded me of one of those famous songs, um, Ebony and Ivory, and um, we knew which colour Richard was. And so um, with that, from a, I suppose for me, from a man... With roots going back to Scandinavia, a uh, jazz background, uh, coming into the world of Māori music was a challenge. And I suppose that would be one word that I, I look at when I see Richard, is being able to fulfil challenges for, for a person with his background, engaging and challenging uh, the Māori elders and the Māori knowledgeable key people um, from when he saw his first kouauau in the museum window um, to where he has taken alongside with Hirini, um, Brian and others, um, Taungapuro, portal. we now hear it and see it in every corner of Papatuanuku of, of, of the world. And uh, one story that Hirini told me once was when one of the first times he took Richard to the Urewera, they went to Rewarewa Marae, which is in Ruatoki, and uh, a lot of the whānau from down there was wondering who this air guy was and, and they thought, oh yeah, we'll get him. And so they made a, a big, huge pot of teroteros, which is sheep intestines and thought, ah, this fellow, I need it. Uh, little Benan, five minutes later, he went back to them asking for more. And so um, with, with that, Richard Nunns and his family, uh, I have to take once again acknowledgement to Fire Rachel because with what Richard can do with taonga here and in around the world, uh, imagine what love he shows his family. So with that, uh, tēnā koe Richard.
4: E e karanga mai uh, e te kai mahi waiata, e te kai tuitui, uh, waiata, e kai uh, pondering on what one would say, with Parkinson's now I usually burst into tears, and I don't do it very prettily, so uh, this will be short. I uh, I pondered long and hard on the nature of the award, which I'm still hugely humbled about, or we asked, i know no heard any would be, and we're both standing there. Blinking our eyes and, and wondering what to say. And I think of the hundreds who should be there before. But it's certainly a great honour and a great great humbling honour to to receive this award. And uh, I might look pretty tall and large, although I'm rather bent over now, but I often think if people only knew, they think when you're out there performing and you're doing stuff that you're extremely confident and you wish you had that yourselves. I find I'm about that big in size. And a lot of the work I do now, you wonder... Uh, has it any validity? Has it, is it working? Has it uh, any gravitas? And awards like this uh, affirmation uh, are a way of of your peers affirming what you're doing, and I think that's the greatest thing that these awards do, so I am hugely grateful. I'd like to also echo Horomona and Jan in acknowledging uh, Brian particularly, who's travelled so long and far with us and running the engine room of... of of the the journey the the project that we've been working on and also Clem who has genius with stone that there are literally hundreds of kuya koma who have assisted on our journey many of them are not with us now I would of course like to acknowledge my family and I would like to acknowledge APRA again so uh, thank you very much indeed it's a huge honor and
0: Coverage from the 2009 Opera Silver Scroll Awards and the induction of both Dr. Richard Nunn's and Dr. Melbourne's posthumous induction into the New Zealand Music Hall of Fame. This week's episode of Tiaheka is dedicated to Dr. Richard Nunn's, to his farno, his students, and the many musicians both here and around the world. We join Horomuna again. This piece recorded in 2016 at Te Fare Ta Iti, the Academy of Performing Arts at the University of Waikato.
1: With with Matu Richard, uh, on top of what I said about Matua is that uh, Matu Richard's really taught me about respect and acknowledgement and how somebody from another culture can fall in love with the traditional art form and sacrifice his life in the revival of it. During the time that he started learning Tonga it it's the 70s and 80s, yeah. and at that time there was a whole heap of heat, uh, rev- um, there's a whole heap of protests, uh, the rekindling, the revival of Tao Māori. The Maori language debate in nineteen seventy two, you know, Bastion Point nineteen seventy eight, the land marches all over, you know, and he went to the elders and sat with them and he would be given challenges and then he'd go away. And they wouldn't think he'd go back to them. He'd go back whether it was the next day, the next week, the next month, in his humility and his red head and Pink face, you know. He he had the perseverance, you know, and throughout his whole career of playing tangopu, or got flack from both Maori the Maori world as well as the Pakeha world. The Maori world saying, "Why are you doing our instruments, your Pakeha?" And the Pakeha world saying, uh, "What do you want to learn uh, the Maori instruments for?" You know. And so he was able to uh, overcome both sides of the coin, and and and. Through that, you can see the love that he had for this art form. And um, his book, Te Ara Puoro, gives great um, commendation to um, his life's work with Tonga Puoro. And so with both Hirini Hirini, uh, and and Richard, they've been um, great pillars uh, in in, in my journey alongside uh, Brian Flintoff, I taught myself how to play the first few years I started playing Pura, and when I got to meet them, um, I've been a power, <laughs> to all three of the medicines.
0: Tēnā kue, practitioner Horomona Horo, that was recorded in 2016 at Te Whare Tāpere Itzi at the University of Waikato. The late broadcaster Henare Te Ua visited the home of Richard Nuns and Nelson back in 1998.
6: People often ask me, how did you begin, where did you begin this, this extraordinary journey? And in fact I can place it exactly um, to a sighting, of a, an article in about 1960-61 in the Auckland Weekly News um, with that central section of that uh, black and white photography mm, paper yes. and there was an article accompanying article on instruments traditional instruments of the Māori my coming out into the world of sound or the world of light approximated that time but it also coincided with my moving to Nelson and coming into the contact with Brian Flintoff and my Small ability to to breathe voice into these um, or to anything for that matter um, uh, has meant that, that that kind of Siamese relationship. He's the design engineer, I'm the test pilot. To mix a whole lot of metaphors, is has meant that um, uh, that these have have begun to flourish. And of course, the the final component to that working group, of course, has been uh um, Hidini uh, Melbourne and uh, his musical skills, his uh, absolute facility with the reo, and his traditional knowledge and and those those three um, components have meant uh, have meant a, a very important working relationship in relation to the revival of
0: the instruments. Yes. Koa ki te o hōtaka next week on the show we feature the Māori Political Legacy Series, Tangi Reia. To get in touch you can email tiahika at rnz.co.nz, subscribe to the podcast, RNZ Tiahika, wherever you access your podcasts. Kia u te manawarere, tēnā tātou katoa.